So today, guys, we have an exciting day. This is Send Sunday, all right? And if you're newer to Doxa, I'll just be up front and say that this might feel like a little bit different, all right? This is not like a typical service of what we do as we gather like this, but one of our core values here is that of family. And so you are joining us today on like a family event. I, I, I was thinking about it like this. It's like, I remember being like a young kid and my best friend DJ was like, hey, my parents are having like a big dinner tonight. You should come over. And then I came over his house and it was like his grandma's birthday party, right? And I was like, should I be here? Like, I don't know. And they were like, yeah, we love you. That's how you are today. You're walking in the grandma's birthday party. The analogy doesn't work out perfectly, but okay. It's, an, it's a family thing that we're doing, that we have a team of people that are going. They've been here for a couple years, and now they are going to the other side of the world, to Osaka, Japan, and this is our send-off commissioning service. And so with that, I'm going to invite Roger to come on up here, and he'll start us off. So give it up for Roger. Yes. So I'm Grandma, and this is my birthday party, so thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming to it. I didn't know who was going to show up to this. Um, but yeah, I'm Roger Osorio. I help lead um, the Osaka, Japan team, and... Uh, this was like one of the hardest by far like sermons I've ever had to write. I just felt I kept delaying it because it was like, I don't want to have like a goodbye sermon. I've been feeling just like a ton of emotions. So just get ready. I don't know if I'm going to like cry or go on this passionate rant this morning. So just like bear with me as I'm here. But I think what I've been feeling is like, I, I have these, like this dream. If it was possible, what I wish I could do is I wish I could both like be in Osaka, Japan, and be there right now. Um, but at the same time, I wish I like, could stay here and I didn't have to leave. Like, I wish that was possible um, because this has just been home for me, for my family, for this team in such a like, special and unique way. Um, and it's because of you. It's because of this church, this people. And so even from the start, I just want to say thank you for that. Um, Literally from my first moment here, it, it was home. It, it didn't take long for that. And, and you made that possible. And so what I want to just do this morning, I, I just want to share a little bit of my heart and to see what incredible things God has done through this journey. Um, a lot of you might know parts of this of the whole, but I want to just essentially recap and, and talk about what our journey has been to the point that we're at today, that this is our last Sunday here as we prepare to leave off to Osaka, Japan. And um, when I think about God's sovereignty, um, it's difficult to understand. It's like both amazing and incredible. And I don't think I like perfectly understand it. I don't know that I ever will. I know I can never perfectly explain it, but like I know it when I see it. Like I know there's moments in my life when I see it and I say, man, that's God's sovereignty. I have no idea how that played out the way it did, but that's what God's sovereignty means, you know? And so for us, like our journey really began years ago in China. Um, Eric and I, Eric is my wife, Eric and I served in China for about four years and we had plans to, to live there and be there for our whole lives until, unless God told us otherwise. And then we had this weird interruption in the summer of 2019 while we were there. Um, a moment that I felt like God's sovereignty wasn't at hand, that it had disappeared, that he had missed something. And it was in the summer of 2019, we usually, ho- we, we would host students that come f- and do ministry with us for the summer. And there was two girls that essentially had gotten reported for sharing the gospel, um, had gotten detained and got sent back to America. And as I got this news, you know, I just like couldn't believe this was like happening. 
And I had spent a lot of time with, with this girl. They were part of kind of the squad that I was leading, me and a few other staff members. And we realized, like, man, we, like, have to leave and evacuate China because we have no idea what, what the police know and don't know. How do we, like, respond to them? How do we, like, prepare for this? And so we're, like, you know, woke up that morning in China, and I'm, like, I have to leave by the end of today. And so, you know, we start just, like, thinking, like, where can we go? Where can we go? And we had a, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend that we know that lived in Japan. And we're, like, well, maybe him. Like, maybe there's something we can do. And he's able to just, like, host us for a few days or for a few hours. I have no idea how long we have to, like, leave this country. And so we, we go to, we reach out to him. We're, like, hey, we know you don't really know us, but this is who we are. And we have to, like, leave China. Is there any way we can just, like, come to you and you could, we could just stay with you for a few days, a week, a month? We have no idea. You know, he was like, yes, totally. You guys can like definitely stay here as long as you need to. And so literally I go online, buy a ticket, head to the airport and I land in Japan. Right. And he, he happened to live in this city. As I get there, he lives in a city named Osaka, Japan, um, that you may have heard of before. Right. And so I like get in the city. I'm like, Osaka, Japan. How do you even pronounce that? Where I, I couldn't tell you where in the map I was in Japan. I just knew I was in the city named Osaka. Right. And so I spent about a week there until it's safe to go back to China. And we go back there uh, and continue just to do life and ministry. And then at the start of 2020, something else happens um, with God's sovereignty. We have uh, this student um, named Mitchell Carlson um, that wants to move overseas. And so I had never met him, talked to him through FaceTime. And he's coming from this church named Doxa that I'd never heard of before. And in this city named Madison, a state named Wisconsin that like... No matter how much money you gave me, I could not pick out where Wisconsin was on the map. I'm like, is it by Montana, California? Like, I don't know where it is, you know? And so, but I'm like, that's cool. Like Madison, Wisconsin, you know, Mitchell Carlson, awesome. So he like joins our team. He joins us in Thailand. We're having our staff conference um, and our conference is over. And then something else happens with God's sovereignty. There's this virus going on in China. And so we realize like, oh, like we can't go right back into China after this conference. And so we're like, oh, sweet. Let's just like wait it out for a week here until like that kind of ends, right? And so, right? <laughs> and so a week turns into two weeks, two weeks turns into three weeks, three weeks turns into four weeks. And then we realize like, oh, this is like a pandemic. Like we have to evacuate Thailand. We have to go back to America. We just start seeing like cities and countries just close around the world. And so we make it back to America. And like most people in the world, you know, we are just kind of quarantined, um, through a lot of that summer and just waiting for life to have some sense of normalcy. And during that time, um, we started thinking like, eventually things will kind of open back up and churches will open and people will do ministry again. But we know China might be closed a little bit longer than that. And so I start thinking like, I feel like our team needs to be on mission and in community until China opens again. And uh, if you know my story, I went to LSU, was part of an awesome church and ministry there, have been connected to a few other churches. But for some reason, I'm like, maybe we can like reach out to this like Doxa church um, in, in Madison, Wisconsin, like wherever that is, maybe that's like a place we could be, you know? And so I like reach out um, to Rob, I like send him this email, you know, and Erica, crazy story, but Erica had planned to move to Madison until she decided to move to China instead. You know, it's a sore subject. Don't, I'm just, don't bring it up too much around Rob or Danny, especially Danny. Don't bring it up around Danny. Um, and so I'm like, oh, she always spoke so highly of Rob, of Amelie, of just that whole team. Uh, maybe it'd be great if we're there, you know, and just started to feel right. So I email Rob, no response, right? So I'm like, oh, man, he has another email, right? So, oh, I got the wrong email. That's why. So I email his other email, 
no response, right? And then eventually I have a call with him. You know, it's like, it happens, emails, you know, it, it happens. And then he's 30 minutes late to this call, right? And so I'm like, okay, surely this isn't the place that like God wants us to be at. But something crazy happened in this call. Like we, we end this call and I just felt like this is the place we needed to be. I can't really explain to you why. It wasn't anything like special or magical that happened in this call, but it felt like, I think our team needs to be in Madison for these next two to three months that we're going to be here, right? <laughs> right? For these next two to three months that we're going to be in, in this place called Madison, Wisconsin, like, I think this is where we have to be, you know? And so um, we're just going to wait it out until China reopens. And while we're here, about a month in, we realize like China's not going to reopen it to a way that we're able to go back and do ministry there. And we don't know what is next. And, you know, that's really hard because, again, God's sovereignty is sometimes complicated, right? Like, how do we essentially got this news, and from one day to the next, we had to, like, restart our life. Like, we never had any plans to leave China, but now we do. And, like, what do you do in those moments, right, where everything you thought, when you felt like you were in God's will, and he just, like, shakes things up in a way that doesn't make sense, um, what do you do then? And so we just started praying and considering, um, God, what do you want us to do? Because we surely don't know. So it'd be sweet if you could tell us right now. And we start praying about things nationally and internationally. And I remember clearly, you know, the night that a thought came into my head as I'm like rethinking our future. And I remember, what about that city that I like landed in about a year ago exactly? This city named Osaka, Japan. What about Japan? I know very little, but I wonder what Japan's like. There's probably so many Christians there and churches. Like, I don't know if that's the place for us. And I remember the night clearly. I was supposed to be doing seminary homework. And I essentially spent the next three to four hours just reading article after article after article about Japan. And here's what I started learning about Japan when I did that. That it was a country of 127 million people, yet only 0.5% of them were Christians. The majority of Japanese people have never been to a church, read the Bible, or have a Christian friend. That it is estimated that 95% of Japanese people will live and die never having heard the gospel. That there's only one church for every 17,000 people compared to one church for every 800 people in the United States. And I couldn't let those facts go. Because they're not just facts. Like, those are like real people. And it's happening. I told y'all. <laughs> Those are like real people. Like, I don't know if you remember what it was like to not have hope, to not know Jesus. And that's the state of so many people in Japan. And man, our hearts just started just moving towards Japan. And it was crazy because as we were telling people that, and, you know, one thing we actually heard a lot was, you know, Japan's really expensive. I don't know if you guys can like raise the funds, the money you need to do life and ministry there. Like there's, there's places you can go that's like way cheaper that, that might be a better fit, you know. We heard that Japan's too hard. People haven't really figured out how to do ministry well. Hey, here's just other places that it's just like a lot easier to do ministry. What, what don't, have you guys thought about these countries, these places? Like maybe that's like a better fit for you guys. And it's weird because as people were telling us that, Every time they did, we would get in our car, we'd drive home, and we felt, 
I think Japan's where we have to go. Like, I think it just started clarifying for us. Like, I think that's where we need to go. Because as people were saying that, what, what God brought to mind and to my heart in that moment was Isaiah 9-2. And this is Isaiah speaking of, of what Jesus was going to do. When the Messiah came, this is what he was going to be about. So that the people walking in darkness could see a great light. So that a light will dawn on those living in the land of darkness. It encouraged me and reminded me that that's why Jesus came. So that light would shine in dark places. He didn't come just to turn the light up brighter in already lit places. He came to bring light and hope to the people that didn't have light and hope. And it spoke to me. So that the people, this is what I heard when I read that verse, that Jesus came so that the people who walk in darkness in Osaka could see a great light. So that light can dawn in those living in the land of darkness in Japan. But, but what do you do if no one around you has or knows about this light like Japan? What do you do then? Well, someone has to go. Someone, has, someone that does have the light, someone that does have hope, has to go and bring this light to those places. That's the imagery that Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah 52, 7, when he says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And it's this image of this is world-changing news that has happened but that not everyone knows it yet. So people are living as if it doesn't exist. And it's this image of this person that runs, right? That takes this news and they run. They run to the nearest city, to the farthest city to tell people, hey, good news, good news. Listen to what has happened. You guys don't know this yet, but this is what has happened. You have to know this. And these messengers would run for hundreds or thousands of miles to bring these good news. And as I read the verse, you know, I think about, Man, what a journey that was. And I think about, especially from this verse, I think about their feet. Like, can you imagine what the feet of these messengers look like? Bruised, cut up, bleeding, swollen. I see this, this image when I think about messengers who bring good news. And these feet are the feet that God calls beautiful. But why does God call these feet beautiful? Because the labor, the bleeding, the cuts, all of that is worth it because of the message that they're bringing. Because of the bringing of light to dark places, that is worth it. And as we want to have beautiful feet, not because we love suffering or hardship, not because we're courageous or special in any way, because we're not. We have the same spirit of God as you do. There's nothing like special about us. But we want to have beautiful feet because it is through the acts of sacrificial love that the kingdom of God is brought. It is through acts of sacrificial love that the kingdom of God is brought. Do you remember how it came to you and me? Do you remember what Jesus Beautiful feet look like. His were pierced, right? Bloodied, so that you and I could have life, freedom, and light. 
And because of that, because of Jesus' beautiful feet, man, we want to have beautiful feet for people in Osaka, Japan. And, And here's our dream. Our dream is that we would see churches planted in Japan, beginning with Osaka, that love and pursue the campus and the city. And we pray that it just starts in Osaka, but that it would grow into many other cities like Nagoya, like Tokyo, like Kyoto, like Sapporo, like Fukuoka. We pray that God would just have a movement in Japan that he would bring light to people living in darkness. And so Docs, I just, I want to thank you because you, you were the church that God prepared for us as our home. It was no accident. Like God wanted us here. God wanted you here. And you were the church that in the midst of all these voices said it's too expensive, it's too hard. You were the church that said anything, whatever it costs, whatever friendships we have to let go of, whatever money we have to let go of, whatever cars, whatever homes we have to, we have to share, whatever it costs, it's worth it so that people who don't know Jesus can know Jesus. And I thank you for that. I feel like I, I understand what the Thessalonians must have felt when Paul told them, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And man, that, that's the way you made us feel. You showed us that we were dear to you and I thank you for that. And you shared with us not just the gospel, but your whole lives with us. Whatever need we had, cars, we'll take care of it. So many of you stepped up. Homes, you took care of it. Furniture, you took care of it. Whatever we needed, you just said yes every single time. And I thank you for that. You made that scripture alive to me in my life. Um, And I'm just so grateful for that. And I also think of of 3 John. Um, And here's what 3 John, he's, he's speaking to the church and he's talking about messengers with beautiful feet who are gonna go out to the places that don't have the good news. And he says to the church, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Docs of church, you have lived this out. In all your efforts, you have sent us out on our journey to Osaka, Japan, in a manner worthy of God. And yeah, to my team, I love you. Um, I'm so honored to be on mission with you guys. Like I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. And yeah, I just, I can't wait to be in the streets of Osaka, Japan um, with you guys, just giving our lives away um, for the one name under heaven, which all must be saved. And it's Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. And to, to Rob, I just, yeah, I thank you so much. Um, Yeah, uh, as you know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't grow up with my dad in most of my life, and you have just, like, loved me in that way, and you have just taught me through your words and your actions that um, I don't have to do anything to, to earn love or to prove myself, because uh, God already approves of me, and yeah, you taught me that, you reminded me that over and over and over again um, for almost the last two years that we've been here, and so, yeah. Thank you for that, and yeah, I want to invite you up.
Roger, I, I love you, man. I respect you and the, the team so incredibly much. And Doxa, this is like an exciting day for, for the life of our church, sending a, a group of people to reach a group of people with the gospel of Jesus. And this is what it's all about, right? When you think about the Christian life, this is really what it's all about. It's Jesus and people. It's people meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. And so today is for us, is just like an exciting day. It's a good day, but I'll be totally honest, right? This is a day that while it's really good and exciting, it's, it's really sad. Like it's a, it's a sad day. I mean, today we're, we're saying goodbye to some really dear friends. I mean, Roger, Erica, Jacqueline, Jordan, Jake, EA, Kate, Mitchell, especially Luella. I don't see her right now, but I've said it before, but you guys are honestly some of my heroes. Some of my heroes. I hope my kids grow up with the audacious faith and the love of God that you guys have that move you to just follow Jesus in like a, a radical way. But we love you guys. I mean, right, Doxa? I mean, have you just loved like the leadership and the friendship of this team here? It's been so good. It's been so incredibly good. And that's what makes today just like a, a mixed bag for me. On one hand, I'm really, really excited because people are going to meet Jesus because of their obedience to going to Japan. And I cannot wait to hear that first story, right, of that first college student that they meet. They have a run-in on campus. They share the gospel. God grabs a hold of their life, crosses them from death to life. And we get to see up on the screen like a video from across the world of them baptizing them in an apartment or in the campus somewhere. It is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for that. But on the other hand, it's incredibly sad because just what Roger said in like the Apostle Paul's words, you've all become so incredibly dear to me and to us. And it's really hard for me, honestly, to think about like you guys not coming in the staff meeting tomorrow. It's really hard for me just like to not be able to like think about just like crossing paths, walking through this auditorium or the, the lobby next Sunday. And I know I'm not alone in that. And so here's what I want to do. I want to help us to answer a question. And this is a question that Roger kind of alluded to and talked about. But this is an important question. Why? Doxa, why are we sending our friends away? I was talking to my nine-year-old daughter the other night about this as we came home from like a a final dinner date with Roger and Erica. And... uh, yeah, we, we had babysitter over there, Sarah Kubiak, and she was hanging out with her as we walked in the door. Lily was still awake, and um, Aubrey Wolber stopped over just to hang out at the house. And so we walk in, and they're just kind of all hanging out there. And as Lisa and I walked in, we were just talking to, to Sarah and Aubrey, and somebody said, isn't it weird that like everybody you hung out with tonight is going to be gone in like a month or two? Because, you know, Sarah and Aubrey and their families, they're not going to Osaka, but Lord willing, they're going to Ann Arbor in a few months. And in that moment, I remember I looked at Lily and I saw her kind of finally get what it means that we're planting a church in Osaka, Japan, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That she finally realized that there's going to be people that she loves that are not going to be hanging out in the house and playing dolls in her bedroom anymore. They're not going to be going on walks with her anymore. And as I walked her up to her bed, she kind of slowly crawled up there and she sat and I just watched a tear flow down her face. And she looked at me and said, Dad, why do we have to do this? 
I don't want him to leave. And in that moment, I had to gather myself and actually remind myself of why we're doing this. And I shared with her much of what I'm going to share with you. And so my goal in the next few minutes is just to help you to understand and to remember why, because this will change everything. So why are we sending our friends away? And why is this something that we're celebrating? Grab your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, I'm just going to read these first 11 verses. All right, that rather than kind of me trying to come up with some encouraging and inspirational and emotional words to explain this why, I'm just going to let the Word of God do the speaking for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to start in verse 1. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one ultimately born, or untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. All right, so how does the Apostle Paul and what he writes here define our why? Several things that are key to this. And the first thing I'll tell you is just look back to verse one again. Now I would remind you, brothers, of what? The gospel I preach to you. Doc, so why are we sending our friends away? It's the gospel. And if you've been around church any amount of time, if you've been to Doc's church for any amount of time, this is a word that you've heard. You've heard this word a lot. But I know that there's also people in this room that you're somewhat unclear of what the gospel is. And so I want to be abundantly clear and clear up this, this murkiness that might exist even in this room. Because Paul says, if you look back, he says this gospel is of first importance. And this first importance actually defines our why today. All right, so when we talk about the gospel, I'll explain it like this. Guys, if you've looked around our world, I've talked about this a lot. You look around our world right now, and especially over the last several years, perhaps no, no, never in our lifetime have we seen the world more concerned with the suffering of people. You look at the news right now, whether it's the suffering of like people under oppressive governments, like the situation that's happening with Russia and Ukraine, whether it's racial suffering, viral suffering, gender suffering, financial suffering. Guys, there's so many ways that people can suffer and do suffer in our world today. And we live in a world today, guys, where it's almost vogue to have compassion on others and have a sense of grief for people's suffering. And I'll tell you, that's all well and good and it's right, right? God sees those people that he created and he loves and he feels something. But I want you to hear this. Because if we are really concerned about the suffering of people, the most important suffering we must concern ourselves with is not the immediate front and center suffering. But hear this. It's eternal suffering. It's the eternal suffering that those who would die apart from faith in Jesus will have. 
And this is why Paul says it's of first importance that God saw the suffering of the people he created and the eternal suffering that we are all walking towards as a result of our sin. And Jesus entered into human history, to our story. And as Paul says, if you look back to verses three and four, what did Jesus do? He came to suffer and to die and to raise so that eternal suffering doesn't have to be our end. It doesn't have to be our story. That some of you need to know this today. You've been coming around Doxa Church for a very long time and you have the thought, just because I'm in church, that means I'm in Christ. Guys, church will not save you. Religion will not save you. It's only Jesus. And Jesus is the why. The biggest problem in all of our lives, in your life, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you need to understand the biggest problem in all of your life is not just like relational stuff that's happening. It's not financial suffering that you're going towards, but the biggest problem in every single one of our lives, every single person in this room, out in the city, out in this world is sin. And sin causes all of this suffering. And sin is just anything that God is not. And we all are radically impacted by sin. And the nature of sin is that it separates. It separates us from God and it separates us from people. And if our sin is not dealt with, if it's not reconciled and forgiven, eternal separation and eternal suffering apart from God will be all of our realities. Now, I'll pause because if you're new, you're like, why? You guys seem so happy. Like that is terrible news right? It is terrible news. And maybe you're not a Christian and you hear this and you're like, why do you guys have your hands up in the air? You sing like you're celebrating today. Guys, here's why. The two greatest words in the Bible, but God, but God in the midst of our sin and rebellion and separation, that God lovingly came into our human story. He came into human history as the man, Jesus Christ. And he lived a perfect life that I couldn't live, a life without sin. He died a death that I should have died, the debt for my sin. And as he rose from death, he achieved the thing that I could never achieve on my own, reconciliation to a perfect holy God, a return to relationship with the God who created me. And this is the incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus. And this is what Paul says is absolutely of first importance in our life. Because I want you to hear this, okay? The gospel speaks to your past, your present, and your future. That your past has been settled. Jesus entered into human history to die for your sin and to raise you to new life. Your present is secure. That the resources of the gospel are sufficient for you to stand firm in the midst of all that life throws at you. and empowers you to meet every challenge that life can put in your path. And your future is certain that you no longer need to fear death and hell and punishment for your sin because faith in Jesus, he has taken your sin, he's given you his righteousness, and he's made a place for you in the family of God, the eternal family of God, and there is security in that. No matter what you have done, it's not about what you have done, it's about what Jesus has done for you. This is the gospel. And some of you today, you need to realize that the point of your entire life has led you to this moment as you sit at Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin this morning. This is the moment where you see Jesus, you see your sin, you see his gospel that is right in front of you, and this is where you come to Jesus in faith, and you find forgiveness of your sin 
and you escaped the terrible conscious reality of hell as you grasp hold of the eternal hope in life that is in Jesus. Just hear me on this. The gospel is good news because it is for you. And Paul is reminding us here in these verses that all that Jesus did, that he lived, he died, he raised, guys, he did that for you. He did it for you. And on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And because it is finished, that means we are not. Amen? This is the good news. We have reason to sing, but I want you to hear this, guys. The gospel doesn't just give us a reason to sing, but it gives us a reason to send. And this is what we're doing. The gospel moves us. It moves us towards God by taking our sins so we're no longer enemies of God, but we become children of God. It moves us towards God, but it also moves us towards people. People here in Madison, Wisconsin, and people across the world, the people of Osaka, Japan. And we go with this gospel. This is why movement is a core value of our church. That we move, we're constantly trying to move towards God, becoming the men and women that he's created us to be, but we're also trying to move towards people, which is part of his mission. It's all about Jesus. This is why we exist as a church family, and this is why we are sending our friends across the world. And this is why we celebrate even in the midst of sadness. But Docs, I'll remind you of the truth that we're going to celebrate in just a few weeks, that Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, through the historical reality of the resurrection, which we're going to celebrate on Easter, we can know that everything he said is true. And this is his perspective, Paul's perspective in this chapter. He's going to go on, if you look down to verse 14, and he's going to say that if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we are all pitiful fools in our, all of our hope, all of our songs, all of that. We're part of a thing that just doesn't make sense. It's just foolishness. We should be mocked and despised because we're fools. But then Paul, he says, that is true. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is true. But he says, but in fact, Jesus did rise from the dead. And he says in verses five through eight, he points to history saying that he appeared to many, many people. And then he also appeared to me. And Paul says, I've never been the same. And so because Jesus is alive, we have a message and a mission, a message of good news for all people. And we have a mission to go to all those people throughout the world and tell them that there is a God, there is a truth, there is a way, there is a life, there is a love, and his name is Jesus. It's Jesus. And this God, this truth, this gospel, this love, this grace, this salvation that we all have through Jesus is what compels us to do anything, to give our lives, to send our friends, for people to go And it's not just going across the world to be a radical missionary. These people are not that special. They're not special. This gospel compels us all to go. To go across the street to a neighbor. To go across the office to a coworker. To go across the hall to a roommate. And some of you, you're sensing God's movement in your moment now, and you know that it means for you to go across the world just like these people. And I pray and I hope that there are many people that will follow this team and go and plant more and more churches over in Japan. We are called to go to tell as many people as we possibly can of the love and the salvation of Jesus Christ. 
here's the reality that I pray lands in our heads and moves to our hearts, guys, which will change everything about our perspective on life. I want you to hear this. We've talked about this many, many times through the life of Doxa. God uses people to save people. You know that. He uses people to save people. That the gospel came to you on its way to someone else. And the way that the gospel goes to someone else is by the person who has been radically loved and radically saved and radically redeemed and radically forgiven and radically changed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. It comes to that person and that gospel goes through that person by them just opening their mouths to share and opening their lives to love. This is our mission. I mean, these are the last words of Jesus, right? You remember this? Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go. Go, make disciples, teach everybody about me. Tell them that I'm alive and there's good news. Tell them to wake up from the reality that they're living in so they can find salvation and hope. And he says, go. Acts chapter one, verse eight, go into all the world. Open your mouths, tell them the great works of Jesus. Open your lives, love them like Jesus so that they can be saved just like you. The gospel leads us to this mission. Listen to how the, the Apostle Paul understands this. Romans chapter 10 is going to come up here on the screen. Paul got it. And I pray, guys, that we get this. We get this. We're not interested, guys. I'll tell you what. Doxa Church may never grow to be a really large church. Because movement is a big part of why we exist. And our prayer is that God would allow us to be just a mother church that just sends out a bunch of babies called church plants. And we're going to keep on doing this. And so these gospel goodbyes that we celebrate with tears, this is going to be the natural mark of Doxa Church. Because listen to what Paul says. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are here and you have not come to Jesus, this is a truth for you. Call on the name of Jesus and he will save you. That is a guarantee. And look what he says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the Christian life. This is not the missionary life. Every Christian, one of, my, one of my great heroes of the faith, a man named Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he once said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. To be a Christian means that you go, it's, it's to be a missionary. And so again, why? Why are we sending our friends away? Because this is how people meet Jesus. Which is of what? First importance. Paul understood this. And that's why he says in verse 11, so we preach. So we preach. We give away Jesus. For those of you who know Jesus, the only reason that you're a Christian is because God brought someone to you and had the gospel come to you through them. You heard of the works of Jesus. You heard of your sin and need for salvation because someone came to you and shared that with you. And for those of you who are not Christians, I'm honored to be able to share that with you today. That God loves you and he's made a way for you. It's all about Jesus and he is for you today. Doctor, the gospel came to you on its way to someone else and the Japan team is showing us what this looks like. 
And while God has uniquely called this team to someone in Osaka, the majority of us, that someone is not overseas, but that someone is next door. They're next door to you right now. They're in your life. Will you lift up your eyes and see the harvest and understand that this is how Jesus has saved you. He saved you with a mission. And will you go and give away everything that you've received for the glory of God and the good of others? Why do we send our friends? Because Jesus is worth it. And there's people in Osaka right now that Jesus loves. I don't even know them. I'll probably never meet them, but I love them. And we love them because we love the things that God loves. And they have no idea that there's a Louisiana boy bringing a team of young men and women there to love the crap out of that city and to open their mouths and to proclaim the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they have no idea that they're going to meet our King Jesus And he is going to grab a hold of their life, just like he grabbed a hold of my life and so many of yours, and he's going to flip it on end. And he's going to give hope. And he's going to give fullness of joy so that people in Osaka can sing with us here in Madison, Wisconsin. This is why. This is why we go, and this is why we send. Now, let me just say this, okay? As this team leaves... And Lord willing, as the Ann Arbor Church Plant team leaves in a few months, here's what this means for us today here at DOXA. We said this from the very beginning, that this is a family affair. And I want you to know that this sending and leaving creates a void. Leaders, servants, generous givers are leaving the DOXA family. And it creates a void. And we are trusting God. We're losing a bunch of connection group leaders. We're trusting God. We're losing 41, for example, 41 people in the next two months we're losing from Doxa kids. 41 people that are shaping our kids, teaching them about Jesus. We're losing them. And we're saying, this is good. I'm writing in my journal, Jesus, I trust you. Help me with my unbelief but he is going to provide. We're losing very generous people that are going, and with that, they're taking their giving to a new place. For the glory of God, praise God. But it creates a void. And I know that there are a lot of people in here that you're in the Doxa family. You're faithful attenders here on a Sunday. I think Jesus would say to us, you're not going you're staying, live in the Doxa family. For some of you, it's time to kind of just stop being spectators and start being investors. For some of you, you've been enjoying the life of Doxa for a long time, and I love it. But the nature of what is happening today and then just a month with the Ann Arbor send-off is that we need people to get in the game and to live the life that you have been intended to live and to be a contributor to God's church. And I would love to help you do that. Let's get off the bench and get to work because there's a lot of people here in Madison that need Jesus. And there's more churches that need to be started. And that's going to happen when the church 
gets involved on the same page and we're running together. So we're sending away our friends today. And we do this with our love and support. But we also do this recognizing, guys, that this is not about us. It's all about Jesus. That today is not about Doxa Church. Today is not even really about the Osaka Church Plant team. Today is all about Jesus. The Doxa, Doxa Church is a name that will not last forever. This church will live and, Lord willing, bear fruit, and then it will die. And whatever the name is of the church in Osaka, that church will live, Lord willing, will bear fruit, and then will eventually die. And history and generations have proven that there is only one name. There is only one church that will go on forever, and his name is Jesus. And his name and his renown and his glory will last forever, and it's Jesus in which life and eternity and today is all about. And so today we send in the name of Jesus and we glorify God because of the work of Jesus and we don't take any credit for it. We're just in the passenger seat letting God drive the car and we say go in the name of Jesus. And so here's how I'm gonna end. Just like Jesus, here's here's what we're gonna do as we send out this team. We're gonna pray and we're gonna give because this is what Jesus modeled for us. That Jesus prayed. You know that Jesus prayed for you? John 17. Jesus prayed for you. He said, Father, help them to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And he prayed, protect them. Protect them. Help them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them in it, but protect them. And he prayed. But his thing didn't stop with prayer. He prayed and then he marched straight to the cross and he gave everything for us to make a way. And so we're going to do this just like our Jesus. And we're going to start by praying. And so what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to have a time of prayer. So Japan team, I'm just going to invite you to stand up. The band is going to play a song. And I'm just going to invite you to just sit. I want you to reflect on the words of this song, and I just want you to pray. And you can just stay in your seat in prayer. But I'd also invite you guys to come up and just lay hands on these brothers and sisters and pray for them. Use this as a time as they go to do something very difficult. To just come up to the front and just say a quick prayer. God, empower them. God, protect them. God, lead them to the right people. God, just provide for them. And just come up during this song and pray for them. We love you guys. We love you guys a lot. And it's an honor to have done ministry alongside you. It's an honor to be partnering with you in this. And Doxa, I can't think of one of the better things that we can do than just to come up here and just spend a few minutes just praying. And so again, if you're new, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have come this Sunday. Get it. This is what we do. We're a little bit weird, but we love Jesus. We believe in the power of prayer, and we're going to send them out in that. So let's just spend some time praying for these people right now.